What is up, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the All Access Sports Podcast. For me, this is my most highly anticipated podcast that we have had this year. I don't know about the other two, but um, bracket season is upon us, and we took a year off last year, so are you guys just as thrilled as I am? Yeah, I'm pumped, to say the least. I mean, uh, especially after not having last year. Uh, Super pumped. Yeah, I mean, it's been two years since we've gotten a bracket, and I was super disappointed that they didn't even release the bracket of last year, even though they weren't playing the games. But, I mean, I just got this sense of joy on 6 p.m. a couple hours ago, just Selection Sunday. Just, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, just a thrilling couple of weeks, especially for me because – as everyone knows, I live in Indy, so we're going to definitely have the chance to get to uh, at least probably three of the games because of we had a lot of tickets last year and the uh, credits go, go to next year. So that'll definitely be very fun. Looking forward to that. Um, but today we are going to be running through the west and east regions of the bracket. Obviously, that's Gonzaga and Michigan's regions. That's just the left side, so we figured it'd be easy. This will be part one, and then we'll try to do part two in the uh, near future and get that out for you guys. So um, why don't we just go ahead and start with Gonzaga as they play the winner of App State and Norfolk State. Um, clearly, I think we all have the Zags advancing in this one. Yeah, uh, kind of a no-brainer. I mean, you can't really say uh, a no-brainer, especially after what happened to uh, Sam's uh, beloved Virginia Cavaliers. But um, now nah, I'm playing. Sam, <laughs> Sam's, Sam's father's beloved. Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah, he's a big UVA fan for some reason. At least he was then because of Kyle Guy and the Indiana Connections. But, um, yeah, I mean, this Gonzaga team is, I think, way better than that Virginia team. And clearly, going into the tournament undefeated, if they lose in the first round, then that would be the most disappointing exit of all time, and there's no question about it. So, um, I don't think there's any way that we see Gonzaga lose, and we should see them um, matching up against either Oklahoma or Missouri in the second round. Yeah, there's no UMBC relation in this matchup. I mean, uh, unless uh, the entire lineup gets COVID, that's the only re- way I can see that Gonzaga will not be moving on the round two. Yeah, and uh, I feel like this team is just one of the deepest teams we've seen, one of the uh, most skilled teams we've seen, and uh, one of the best coach teams we've uh, seen in a while. Uh, so definitely uh, uh, a lot of people's – uh, tournament uh, champion pick. Yeah, and it definitely makes sense because, you know, this is the uh, last undefeated team we've seen going to the tournament since, um, was it Kentucky? When they, they didn't win at all, but obviously is very close. So, um, you know, it should be very interesting to see if they're able to get to 32-0 and and become the second undefeated national champion. Obviously, the other being my Indiana Hoosiers because we're just like that. Not anymore, though. Um, the eight nine matchup, Oklahoma and Missouri. Um, this is a really good eight nine matchup. I honestly feel like Oklahoma was a little bit underseeded here. You know, they were they were like number seven in the country just a couple weeks ago, and um, they lost some games, but I mean, all of them were pretty tightly contested. So, um, Oklahoma, the eight, I'm sure they'll be favored, but Missouri has kind of fallen off as well. What do you guys expect to see in this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, Oklahoma just had a terrible end of the season. They are probably uh, locked for a four or five at the time, uh, just uh, assuming, assuming they played their type of basketball. But uh, I just don't see Lon Kruger letting this club fall any farther. 
and I, I'm going to go Oklahoma in this matchup. Yeah, it's crazy how you said that they were like a, at one point they were in the number seven team in the country like not very long ago. And now they're sitting on, at an eight seed with a, a highly contested matchup against Missouri, who actually got an upset, or I wouldn't even say an upset at that time because they beat Illinois. So, I mean, Missouri is a very tough team. They got Drew Smith leading the team at the guard spot. Um, but I feel like Austin Reeves and this Oklahoma Sooner squad should be able to pull it off and get the victory. And like like Shroggy said, I mean, Kruger should not let this team lose first round. I mean, he's a, he has experience in the Final Four with Buddy Heald, and I feel like he should, he should have no problem in this round. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, like we've said, Austin Reeves has really emerged as one of the better point guards, at least in the Big 12 this year. Um, and Drew Smith is also a very great point guard for Missouri as well. So that matchup is going to be really interesting to see. Um, OU, although, like we've talked about, they've lost some games. I mentioned that they, all those games have been really tight. The problem with Missouri is that, I mean, they were – uh, just over 500 in SEC play. And as we know, the SEC wasn't the best conference by any means. So, I mean, they had a great non-con, but after that, I mean, they haven't really looked that good. So, I mean, if, if they want to win, then they're going to really have to, to force it into uh, um, their big guy Tillman and, you know, get some good shooting from Mark Smith and Drew Smith from the perimeter. So, I mean, they're, they need to do some things in order to get there. But as of now, I think Oklahoma's the clear pick. Yeah, and uh, looking at uh, Oklahoma's last few couple games, I mean, everyone talks about how, how they're losing, losing, uh, but they didn't really have any bad losses. I mean, they lost to uh, uh, Oklahoma State twice, Texas, and Kansas. Um, but obviously, they also lost to Kansas State, and that was a, a horrible loss for them. But um, uh, played every team close, lost within uh, lost within lost within seven of every team. Um, so just couldn't close out games. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Oklahoma's a really tough team, and I just don't see them losing this matchup. For sure, in the 5-12 in the West, Creighton takes on UC Santa Barbara, a game that I think all three of us have on our radar as an upset watch. Um, Aiden, why don't you start with this one? Yeah, so, I mean, we got the Big West champions in uh, UC Santa Barbara, and we also have the Creighton Blue or the Creighton Blue Jays who come to this game losing the final um, to Georgetown. This guy was just an absolute embarrassment. By a lot. Um, yeah, it was a lot. Um, but I, this is probably like out of all the five twelve matchups, because we got Colorado, Georgetown. I mean, there's some really good five twelve matchups, but this is one we really circled. Um, and I went with the, the upset here. Uh, I went with Santa Barbara. Um, I just think it all starts with uh, Jacory McLaughlin, or McLaughlin, is how you say his name. Um, but really, just starts with him. I mean, I, they had a dominant performance against uh, UC Irvine, who made the tournament in the last couple of years, the Anteaters, but. Um, this is a really like I feel like it's a bad matchup for Creighton, but because they're a really good team. But I mean, this is this is a big upset alert, and this is the one of the twelves that uh, is going to win. Yeah, and uh, this this uh, UCSB team is a really good coach team. They're really deep. I mean, uh, they have nine guys that can start every every game, and uh, they're super talented. I mean, uh, they they start two, two six tens and uh, Am- Amadou Sal and uh, Miles Norris, and uh, Miles Norris is actually a high major transfer from. Uh, Oregon and that their their whole team is pretty much Pac-12 transfers. I mean, uh, as Aiden said, uh, uh, J- Jacory McLaughlin was a uh, in an Oregon State transfer, put up uh, like ten points per game there. Transferred here and is the uh, the biggest player of the year. So I mean, just 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 a ton of guys that had transferred uh, from the higher level and came down here uh, to all make the tournament. 
and uh, play a lot. So, I mean, yeah, this, this seems just super skilled and super together. For sure. And I mean, you mentioned like a lot of transfers, although they haven't been together for a long period of time, all of them are highly, um, I would say experienced, like you mentioned, and they're all, you know, juniors and seniors. So that certainly helps things. And on Creighton side of things, um, you know, last week, well, it was Saturday night. That loss against Georgetown was extremely concerning because, I mean, they ended up scoring like 46 points, which isn't bad, but they were hovering around 28 to 31 with about 10 minutes left in that game. And my concern with Creighton all year has been if this team isn't hitting their shots consistently, then they're in, in no way going to compete for any sort of championship. And we saw that on Saturday, and I think that we might see that again against UC Santa Barbara, which is why I am picking them. Um, unless Marcus Zagorowski gets some help from his teammates, um, I just don't think that this team is unified, especially after we, we heard um, Greg McDermott's comments the other day about the whole plantation deal. Yeah, and that's just killer to a team. I mean, having your coach uh, suspended in such a, uh, a brutal time uh, where you basically just need wins uh, that kills your team and uh, your chemistry and stuff. So, I mean, just a bad look for the Creighton program, but uh, uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully they can bounce back. I mean, I'm sure all of us are rooting for the underdog, but um, you know, just brutal for the, for the Creighton program. Yeah. And the uh, four versus 13 matchup is going to be the Virginia Cavaliers taking on the Cinderella Ohio Bobcats. We, we know the story about, um, the Preston kid from um, Ohio who, you know, made himself a mixtape at a uh, rec basketball game, and now he's the star of this Ohio team. Um, do you guys think Ohio can pull the upset, or is this COVID-laden Virginia team um, going to advance? Yeah, I mean, this is a tough matchup for Virginia. I mean, just coming off of a quarantine or going to be off of a quarantine and play the next day. Um, you look at Tony Bennett. I mean, th- this is a real. This is a team who's not only won the national championship, but also lost the 16 seed, which is the only time it's happened. Uh, and this is a very tough matchup. I mean, Ohio is a very great team. I mean, it starts with Jason Preston, as you said, Sam. Um, and also, he's got like Ben Rogic from Liberty, the local guy, and also Dwight Wilson the third. I mean, this is a very talented team. I mean, they won a, a very tough uh, MAC conference. Um, I mean, and they they compete. They like match up pretty well with the Who's, but uh, I just feel like, like at this point, like there's a lot more experience um, at the bigger level that the Cavaliers have. And this would be a really good upset to pick, but uh, we just really picked San- UC Santa Barbara. And I feel like that is more of a more likely upset, but not even looking at that game, I would just say Virginia, like the experience they have in Tony Bennett, just want coming off of a national championship. I think you should have a squad ready for round one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I think uh, Ohio or UCSB, both these both these teams could pull pull off upsets and both win, uh, but I think only one of these teams will win. I mean, this Ohio team's really talented, as you said, uh, with Jason Preston. They they actually almost beat uh, Illinois, uh, really early, really early in the year, a loss really close. But um, yeah, as Aiden was saying, they have Dwight Wilson, uh, Ben Roderick to surround uh, the star and Jason Preston. They have Ben uh, Vonderplaz who puts up. Uh, around 12 to 13 a game, and they have uh, Lon- London uh, McDay from uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary's, who's just a really skilled guard, too. Uh, so just a really well-rounded Ohio team. Yeah, certainly. And you mentioned that uh, matchup with Illinois earlier this year. Obviously, Illinois wasn't rolling quite like they are now. But still, I mean, they proved what they were able to do 
um, you know, in, in the MAC conference, especially in that game. So um, definitely a team to look out for. For Virginia, though, I think they're going to be kind of, you know, upset about having to withdraw from the ACC tournament. And I think that could light a fire under Tony Bennett's squad. I mean, we saw this team sort of start to play better towards the end of the season. Clearly, things weren't great early on. But, you know, Virginia is playing pretty good basketball right now. And, you know, when you got role players like um, uh, Beekman and um, Will and Tensday who are, you know, playing some of their best basketball, I think that they're a, a force to be reckoned with. And I think that um, although I'm not really sure about their second-round matchup, I think Virginia takes care of business with Ohio in this game. The winner of Drake and Wichita State will take on USC. So why don't we go ahead and talk about the Drake Wichita State game right now? Yeah, let's go ahead. I mean, uh, Wichita State uh, they lost a lot. They had a what was it? Three starters transfer. I mean, they they were in the same boat as Georgetown, uh, really. And uh, just I'm I'm surprised they even made the tournament to be honest, because they're kind of on the bubble. And I'm sure that that there's a debate of uh, Louisville making it and stuff, but um. You know, this, this, this Wichita uh, State team has been to this stage. Uh, they went to the Final Four. Uh, it was a while ago. It, it wasn't too long. It was like 2013, I think. Um, yeah, it was 2013. Yeah, they, they've been to the stage. Uh, just a, a really uh, good coach team. And, um, you know, uh, they're playing a, a really good Drake team. So, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure where I'm leaning towards this uh, towards this matchup. I mean, it, it, it can really go uh, either way. But, uh yeah, just a, a really good first four game. Yeah, so we're looking at Drake. I mean, this is a team that split with Loyola Chicago in the MVC tournament, or not the MVC tournament, the MVC, like just regular season play, and ended up losing to uh, Loyola Chicago in the final. So, I mean, there was kind of some rumors, just like Wichita State, like uh, if they were even going to make the tournament. So they're both in the play-in game. Um, but with, with this game, I'm just going to have to go with the experience here, Wichita State, Shockers. Um, although they don't have Greg Marshall, um, just due to – him getting fired, but I just feel like this program has the experience. I mean, they made, he made, they made the final four in 2013. Um, and I just feel like just more experience, but this is a tough Drake team they're playing. Yeah. And then some people forget that uh, Drake had uh, one of their best players transfer and they're kind of in the same boat as Wichita state too. I mean, um, Liam Robbins, not, not Minnesota transferred from Drake and he was uh, one of their better players putting up 14, eight, 14 and eight a game. And that's de- that's definitely a force on there, uh, a, a seven footer, uh, around two hundred something pounds, two thirty or something. Uh, that's that's definitely a force in uh, the the Missouri Valley Conference. So just a huge loss for Drake, but uh, they've uh, they've obviously been fine without him uh, reaching the top twenty five. But um, yeah, I mean both both these teams have lost a lot, but uh, they've they've overcame the challenges and just been really good. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Wichita State, they've definitely rallied around their new coach and it's really shown itself, even though they they were on COVID pause and then, um, you know, they kind of had to take a little bit of a break, uh, obviously, before the um, AAC tournament. And that showed itself as they didn't look good in the first game and then they almost uh, then they did lose to Cincinnati in the second one. So that's kind of concerning. Drake, they haven't played in a while because obviously the NBC is a uh, couple weeks before the uh, NCAA tournament starts. So um, should be a good one. I think Wichita State pulls it out. Um, and yeah, I'm excited for that one. Clearly, the winner will play USC, which again will be a pretty good game. Um, we won't talk too much about that because obviously we don't know who the winner is, but Evan Mobley is a, a, a dude and he's a force in this league. So 
um, we're looking forward to um, seeing a matchup with Evan Mobley and either one of those teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, this this USC t- USC team almost won the Pac-12 championship, but uh, obviously, um, Oregon State won it and uh, took uh, an- another team's bid, and that that could have been uh, Aiden's second team in Louisville. So I mean, that that sucks for him, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I just feel like USC has, has a lot besides Mobley. I mean, they have Taj Edie and uh, Isaiah Mobley. So I mean, just a just a, re- a really good core around uh, a top five pick and Evan Mobley. Aiden, why don't we save the Louisville talk for uh, after we finish this side? Um, because I, I know it's infuriating you a little bit. Yeah, just March Madness is not the same without Louisville and Kentucky, Duke. Just, just <laughs> needs them. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, Kansas, Eastern, Washington in the 314 of the West. Um, Kansas has kind of been known for playing tight games in the first round with uh, lesser opponents. I could see it here, but Eastern Washington, they just don't quite have the firepower um, to match Kansas. I mean, they only shoot 35% from three, which, I mean, it's better than Kansas, but I don't think that's going to be able to get it done against a a solid Kansas defense that we see year in and year out. Marcus Garrett is finally hitting his stride, um, and he's kind of emerged as this leading point guard for this team, and I fully expect him to you know, carry this team in the tournament, hopefully on a deep run like we've seen from Kansas and what they should have had last year. So then again, looking forward to uh, Kansas and potentially USC in the second round. Yeah, and that'll, that'll definitely be uh, one of the best 6-3 six, six, matches we see. I mean, um, but uh, some people are, are even questioning if Kansas will uh, be able to play. I mean, obviously the NCAA uh, release say that uh, they would be able to play, but uh Coming off COVID pause, I mean, there's going to be limited practices, and then they're obviously going to have to quarantine once they get to Indy. Um, so, I mean, uh, will will the would the limited practices uh, affect their game against uh, Eastern Washington? What do you guys think? I don't know. I mean, obviously, we we saw Kansas schedule um, UTSA in the final week of the regular season, and they almost lost that game. They were down 14 at half. Um, clearly it seems like they were trying to look past that opponent, but that didn't end up being a good option. So, I mean, uh, we see, we see things like that from them seemingly year in and year out and a COVID pause where they aren't going to be practicing for a week or so is it certainly doesn't help that, uh, that cause. So, um, you know, looking forward to seeing how they react off of that. Um, but you know, I don't personally think it'd be too much of an issue. Yeah, I mean, like every other team, I mean, a quarantine has affected a team like pr- pretty like in a dramatic way. I mean, you saw like Virginia, Kansas, they were stripped of uh, their chances of even getting to the conference championship. Um, and also like you look at like Baylor, like after their quarantine, they looked really sluggish in their first couple of games and ended up suffering a loss to Kansas. Um who's in this matchup against Eastern Washington. So I feel like it sh- they shouldn't have, um, like, I mean, let me rephrase this. I mean, they shouldn't really be, like, in, like, big danger mode. But, I mean, they have to be a, a tad concerned because, I mean, this is a, a, a fairly solid Eastern Washington team. I mean, they went, tw- they went, they didn't play as many games as most of these teams that have played. Um, but I feel like Kansas, just Bill Self, one of the better coaches, Marcus Garrett, um, I don't think they should have too big of an issue. Um, and if they really do have an issue, it's just because of fatigue and their legs are dead. Yeah, and obviously this year it's weird. I mean, uh, you're, you're getting one day off, but, I mean, 
Uh, I, I feel like there's way more days off um, in, in, a, in a normal non-COVID year. I mean, uh, from this uh, round of 32 to the Sweet 16, I, I feel like you had some days off. But, but I mean, this year, you barely have any days off. And that's, that has to do partially with COVID. Yeah, for sure. And um, moving on, the uh, 710 Oregon VCU. I think this is one of the better games of the uh, first round. And I'm looking forward to seeing this because, um, you know, Oregon, they had a disappointing exit in the Pac-12 tournament to Oregon State. Um, and VCU also had a pretty disappointing exit to St. Bonaventure in the A-10 championship. So, I mean, two teams that are kind of uh, looking to redeem themselves after some tough losses. Uh, what do you guys see from this one? Well, in this one, I mean, you're looking at a team in Oregon who uh, was the number one team in the Pac-12 and ended up losing in their own tournament. Um, they kind of just, just fell short. Um, and then you're also looking at the VCU uh, team. Uh, I mean, they haven't – like, they weren't even really supposed to be in the tournament. Um, I mean, this is a tough team. I mean, they've always – I feel like every time I see VCU play in the NCAA tournament, they're always a sleeper team or just very gritty and tough team that, I mean, is – it's going to be hard for any team to really beat them, and it's just going to be hard. Um, but really looking at this matchup, I mean, I feel like Oregon, um, I just feel like I have a little of concerns with VCU. I mean, uh, they just didn't really get to play, like, the greatest of opponents, obviously, because they're not in a better – I mean, they're not in a Power 5 conference, but um, I have to give a, a slight advantage to Oregon here. Um, I just feel like the amount of competition they played, and they had a fairly good record, and they were the regular season champs in the Pac-12, so, I mean, I have to kind of give them some – respect so i'm gonna go with the ducks here yeah and same here i mean uh chris duarte is one of the peer scorers in all of college basketball uh, along with dwayne washington uh, but i mean chris duarte puts up uh, 17 a game for a very good organ game uh with a very good percentages so i mean uh just really impressive by him and i mean they have they have some uh, re- really good guards around him they have a uh, will will uh, richardson who's also a really good guard and they're just uh, a super talented team yeah, for sure. And Will Richardson, you know, he was hurt early on in the season. Um, a lot of people thought that once he returned to full strength, that they would be right back up there, you know, competing like crazy. And to be honest, it's pretty surprising that they did lose that game to Oregon State because, um, you know, at least I thought that we were going to see them return to full form. So um, with Will Richardson back, I think that's definitely a, a key feature. You got Chris Duarte, who's also playing pretty well. Um, and then, you know, Dana Altman is a dude that you should never bet against in March, especially in a tournament like we saw two years ago when they advanced to the Sweet 16 as a 12 seed. So I think that, um, you know, VCU's played pretty well, but, you know, they've kind of choked under pressure in some of these bigger games down the stretch. I think Oregon's the pick here, and I'm looking forward to, to watching this game. Yeah, and one player I think all of us uh, really forgot to mess in uh mentioned was uh Rutgers transfer uh Eugene uh Omaroy. I mean uh he's putting up around 17 a game too and he just uh was basically built built the culture for Rutgers. I mean and Rutgers has been pretty good ever since he left. I mean uh haven't haven't made a tournament and they were obviously gonna make one last year and they're uh, making their first this year, right? First in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah first in a while. Mm-hmm. So I mean yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just a super underrated guy in uh, Eugene that all of us really forgot about. But uh, you you, de- you definitely won't forget about him uh, when uh, they play VCU. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, the last game of that region is the the last game of that region is Iowa versus Grand Canyon. Can we all agree that Iowa's winning this game? Yep. Yeah, but I kind of feel like this game will be closer than it is. I mean, I feel like every year uh, the two seeds play it close. Like um, Tennessee played uh, Colgate really close. Don't you guys uh, remember that? Mm Mm-hmm. And then Michigan State a couple of years played the 15 close. So uh, I, I just kind of feel like uh, Iowa has that game. And then uh, Grand Canyon just comes out firing and they just start hitting shots and stuff. And then, I mean, I, 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 st- I, st- I still think Iowa wins by 15 plus, but uh, I, I can definitely see Grand Canyon uh, gi- giving them a, a run for their money in the first half. Yeah. And you know, Grand Canyon's coached by um, Bryce Drew, the brother of Scott Drew. Um, the coach of the Baylor Bears, he was previously at Vandy, and he got fired when he arguably shouldn't have. Um, so, you know, they are led by a pretty pretty good coach who's coached at high levels. So I think Grand Canyon could be chippy here. Like I said, I kind of chalked it up to an Iowa win. Um, Iowa's D is playing a lot better than it had been early on this season, which is one thing that I personally didn't expect to happen. So I think that, you know, if they continue to – um, play good defense and they're going to advance pretty far in this tournament yeah for sure um, I mean that was a really big concern coming into the, I, like not even coming into the year but just like throughout the season if I was defense sometime in March is going to be able to manhandle and just continue to not break down because I mean you look at most of their losses it's because they're giving up so many points I mean they're putting up a lot of numbers up on the offensive side of the ball I mean they got Luca Garza who's the leading scorer nation. Well, actually, I don't know about that. I'm probably wrong, but Luca's one of the top leading scorers in the nation. Um, they're surrounded by so many other players, Bohan, Wies Camp. I mean, I could go on, but uh, I mean, I just feel like, yeah, like you said, the the defensive improvement has been really or really huge for Iowa. Um, and if they can really continue that, I mean, they can make a, a solid run, but um, they're in a really tough region with Gonzaga and also some really interesting teams. So, I mean, it's going to be hard, but uh, I think in the first round, they should be cool. Yeah, and, um, you know, this Iowa team shoots it really well, and I'm sure Sam knows. Uh, like, I just feel like everyone kind of shoots better when you're playing in gyms like Mackie, Hinkle, uh, Assembly Hall. I mean, it, it's it's hard to miss there. I'm, like, I'm just being honest. Like, I've I shot at all those floors, and I, I honestly don't uh, re- remember missing. Yeah, especially opponents at Assembly Hall. They <laughs> yeah, seem to they, sure. seem, they seem to shoot pretty well against the Hoosiers. But I, you can't shoot well. Yeah. <laughs> well, sh- sh- shooters shoot, and uh, Iowa has a lot of shooters, so uh, de- def- definitely expect uh, a lot of threes from Iowa. For sure. Yeah, agreed. And that is it for our West region. Let's start with the East region. Aiden Schmidt's Michigan Wolverines come limping into the NCAA tournament um, after losing. Um, Isaiah Ohio State, yeah, losing to Ohio State as well as losing Isaiah Livers for potentially the season, although that is undetermined yet. Um, why don't you start, Aiden? Give us your vote of confidence for the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, uh, without Livers, I'm gonna be honest, I would say it's a solid seven. I mean, I have confidence, the confidence is there, but like, there's so many good teams in this region. I mean, you have like sleeper teams like UConn, Georgetown, uh, Michigan State too. And then you also have the like the dogs like Alabama and Texas and also 
a really good team in LSU, which I forgot to name or mention as a sleeper. But um, I mean, this is a tough region for your Michigan. I would really give them a lot of confidence if they still had livers and he was fully healthy. Um, but that is not true. So I mean, it's it's a re- it's a really kind of open region to be honest. But um, I don't know. It's it's really interesting because like the Slivers injury happened at the worst possible time. So it kind of flipped a lot of things. Cause I feel like if um, livers was healthy, then I feel like this would be Michigan's region, but I feel like it's really open now at this point. Do you think we'll see an Adrian Nunez sighting? Uh, yeah, it's very possible. We will see TikTok an Adrian boy. Yeah. Adrian Nunez might make an appearance at uh, point guard for Mike Smith. <laughs> well, um, well, I mean, let me ask you this, though. Are, are you confident that you will beat the winner of this playing game? Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. We're not, we're not Virginia. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, um, Michigan's winning this game. Or are we in agreement there, Andrew? You know, um, yeah. Yeah, we're in agreement. Okay. Ah. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, Michigan's – uh, you know, like I said, they've kind of hit a stump in the road as of late. You know, they were like, were they 16 and one before they lost their second game? Yeah, um, 16 and one is what cr- it was. Currently sitting at 20 and four, which I mean, obviously is uh, a one seed res- receiving resume that they have. But um, the loss against Illinois a couple weeks ago was anything but solid. And, um, you know, Hunter Dickinson, he's playing well, but like, we, we need to see him get the ball more because, I mean, when they were feasting against Ohio State was when he was consistently touching the ball in the paint. But the team sort of went away from that, and Mike Smith ultimately took the last shot on that possession. So um, I think we need to see more from uh, Dickinson in terms of, you know, touching the ball and getting some uh, more shots up. Yeah, and then also I wouldn't even just say Dickinson because I feel like he does need to get his touches, and he does get his touches, but – um, also one guy that really has to step up is Franz Wagner. I know like NBA guys love him. Scouts love him. And I mean, they mentioned him as one of the best defensive players in uh, the nation, even though he wasn't uh, an all big 10 honor. Uh, I just still like, he's, I think he's too inconsistent for a Michigan team to be so good. I mean, like some games he will have like his average, like his average, like, like 12 points. I mean, solid. And then some games he's just disappeared against like, like the Ohio state game. He was, non-existent fouled out like super early um so i mean he's just too inconsistent but i mean when he's on he's on and it's like this michigan team sometimes they just they were just really inconsistent uh, especially in that ohio state game but uh yeah i mean that's a big part feeding dickinson is probably is where it starts at yeah and like aiden saying i mean uh michigan's always at their best when they're feeding hunter dickinson you know uh with dickinson being such a a big passer and you're playing teams in the first and second round like uh Mount St. Mary's and a team like LSU, who uh, it, it isn't the biggest team, uh, just feed Dickinson. And then uh, soon enough, they're going to start doubling down. And then that's where uh, Dickinson's passing skills are uh, so elite, just passing out to shooters such as uh, Franz Wagner, Mike Smith, start start, start getting uh, those guys going. You mentioned LSU, um, their potential opponent in the second round. The LSU Tigers are the eight seed taking on the St. Bonaventure Bonnie's out of the A10, um, you know, obviously the auto bid. Um, I feel like LSU kind of has their hands full in this one. Um, you know, St. Bonaventure's prides themselves on their defensive efficiency. 
And, you know, Mark Schmidt, he isn't the best recruiter there, but it seems like year in and year out, this uh, um, St. Bonaventure team is always, you know, winning games with dudes who aren't necessarily top level talent. Um, so you got to give a lot of credit to Schmidt. You know, me and Andrew both talked about this and we were surprised that he did not get the uh, Boston College job um, that just opened up this week. But regardless, I think St. Bonaventure is going to be a very tough matchup for LSU. But I mean, when you have the world-class talent that is probably paid for um, by the LSU organization, I think that, um, you know, LSU is in a good shape to win this. And um, although St. Bonaventure can defend, I think that they are going to have to score at, at a decent level, which, um, you know, is hard to do, hard to score with a team like LSU. Yeah, and people uh, jump really quick, I mean, with this game, and they put LSU automatic second round just because of how, like, the production they got from Cam Thomas and, like, how they did in the SEC tournament. But this Bonnie's team is – I mean, this is no joke. I mean, they're a very, very talented team at a nine seed. I mean, they're six, sitting at 16-4. And, I mean, this is probably one of the better eight, nine matchups. I mean, a lot of people have gone with LSU, but, I mean, the Bonnie's are pretty underrated. And, I, I mean, I wouldn't honestly be surprised if they won. Um, but I would just favor the Tigers here. Uh, like you said, I think just Cam Thomas and like what he produces for this team. I mean, if he's, if he's on, he's consistently like just producing. I mean, they're, they are a hard team to be. And they also have guys um, like D Darius days down low. I mean, uh, they have some dudes, but I mean, they can't, can't sleep on the Bonavit or the Bonnies. Yeah. And this LSU team really just has a big three. And uh, there's not much else depth uh, besides that. I mean, they have Darius Days and they have a uh, fan favorite, uh, Sh uh, Sharif O'Neill off the bench, but um, and and Josh LeBlanc transferred from Georgetown. Uh, but um, you're you're getting, I'd say, seventy percent of your scoring from three guys and Cameron Thomas, uh, Trenton Watford, and uh, Javante Smart. If these three players are scoring uh, fifty to sixty points a game combined, I mean, you're most likely winning that game, and uh, they'll they'll get some pr some production outside outside of those players. Um, but, um, I mean, they're, they're three headed monsters way too much for a uh, St. Bonaventure. And that's why I'm going with LSU. Yeah, for sure. And one name to look out for, um, Dominic Welsh guard from St. Bonaventure shooting about 41% from three this year. So, you know, if he gets going, then, um, LSU could be in trouble defending him. Just one thought to leave you guys on, um, yeah. And then one other thing about St. Bonaventure, uh, I've watched him a lot. Um, I watched their championship game, and one one guard that really st stood out to me was uh, Kyle Lofton, uh, junior guard from uh, New Jersey. Um, just the way he plays really st stood out to me, uh, just being a basketball fanatic. Um, just really impressed me. And um, uh, this this St. Bonaventure team is so talented. I mean, Kyle Lofton is their leading scorer, but he, he barely puts up 14 a game. So, I mean, th this team's just so good defensively, and uh, they, they just play so together. So, I mean, uh, e even though LSU might come out and score, uh, score eighty, I mean St. Bonaventure probably won't let that happen. And um, you know, I'm 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 still rocking with LSU j just because of their star power. But uh, I would not be surprised if St. Bonaventure wins this game. The five twelve in the East, we have Colorado taking on Georgetown. Um, you know, we highlighted this earlier as a potential upset game. I know all three of us have it circled on our list of upsets. Um, why do you guys think Georgetown would be able to carry their momentum into the NCAA tournament? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, the passing of the legendary uh, 
Georgetown coaching is, is still in their mind. And, um, you know, coming, coming into the big East tournament, um, they've probably been the most surprising team of any college basketball team uh, in the tournament besides possibly Oregon state, but, um, you know, big winning a tournament like the big East coming in as a, a super low seed is just, uh, shocking. And, you know, they have a great coach in Patrick Ewing and just a, a great hype of guy. And, uh, when, when, when Georgetown's playing in, fr- in front of a big stage, like, um, uh, they'll just come out and uh, play their best game. But, you know, this call, this Colorado team has to be taken seriously. I mean, um, Oregon state barely beat them, but, uh, they have some really tough guards. They have a uh, M- McKinley Wright, uh, who who's a really tough guard that I really like. Yeah, and as you say that with Georgetown, I mean, you look at them in the in their their own tournament, the Big East tournament. I mean, they just ran through opponents, starting with Marquette all the way to to Creighton, just absolutely plummeling uh, the Blue Jays in that matchup. I mean, and it kind of shows like that was a bit like a a big alarming factor for Creighton. I mean, that's why most of us I think picked UC Santa Barbara in that game. Um, but this Colorado Buffalo team, like you said, like or like you noted, um, McKinley Wright, the fourth. I mean, he's he's a really good guard and talented for the Buffaloes. I mean, he can get it done. And I mean, this is a really interesting five twelve matchup because Georgetown has a, has one of the worst win percentages in all the teams in the field. And so I mean, and then I mean, win percentage wise and record wise, they're not the greatest. But I mean, this is a very gritty and or gritty and tough Hoya team led by Ewing and. I mean, again, like this is a very possible upset, but uh, I just I, I stood with the Buffaloes in the end. I've switched this pick multiple times, but I just think I like what I saw from the Buffaloes in the season. Yeah, um, for Georgetown, one guy to look out for is freshman guard Dante Harris, who, you know, kind of emerged and made a name for himself in the Big East tournament going 18 against Nova, 15 um, against Seton Hall and then a solid 10 in the championship game against Creighton where he was pulled pretty early. This Georgetown team, like you guys have mentioned, has found the rhythm. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they are playing for one of the best unifiers as a coach, um, you know, in college basketball and uh, Patrick Ewing. So, you know, we should expect this Hoyas team to, you know, at least compete or go down fighting in this game. But ultimately, I'm going to end up picking them against Colorado. You see, the reason I'm not fond of Colorado is while they do have some great wins, um, they do also have some pretty head-scratching losses. They lost by nine to Cal. Um, You know, that's not a great loss. They lost by um, four to Washington, who we know is brutal this year, three to Utah at home. Um, and then some other losses in there that just aren't pretty on the resume. So you never really know what you're going to see from this Colorado team. And ultimately, I mean, that uncertainty is going to leave me not picking them. Yeah, and, so, and talking about that loss to Washington and Cal, uh, on January 14th, they beat Cal by 29. And then earlier in the year, they played Washington on December 20th, and they beat them by around 25. Um, so just a super streaky team. I mean, um, you definitely want to play them twice if you can, because I mean, it's pretty obvious obvious that uh, they're easier to scout for the second time. But I mean, in in, in the tournament, you're 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 only going to te- see each team once, uh, obviously, because it's a loser goes home. Um, but um, you know, I'm a, I'm gonna still stick with my gut and I'm gonna go Colorado. I mean, I I, I really like uh, Georgetown as matchup too, and I have Georgetown winning in some in some of my brackets, uh, but. Uh, lo- looking at, at my main bracket, I definitely have Colorado win this matchup. 
Yeah, definitely a toss-up to say the least. Um, the winner of that game will meet the winner of Florida State and UNC Greensboro. Aiden, why don't you start us out on that one? You know, this is another game. I mean, it's it's a very um, – out of, like, all these matchups, this is a very intriguing 4-13 matchup because I look at all these – the rest of the 4-13s. I mean, they're pretty intriguing because they got you have Virginia and Ohio. Um, and on the other side of the bracket, uh, you have Purdue, North Texas, which is, isn't a really of a, a big upset game. Um, but start looking at this UNCG and Florida State game, um, I mean, this is a very potential upset. But, I mean, again, looking at Florida State, like what they were able to accomplish throughout the season, uh, I mean, they were in like a, a, a lot of a like weaker um, type ACC conference. So, um, I mean, they didn't – they ended up the year not the greatest. But, yeah, and Leonard, Leonard Hamilton always has his guys ready for the – the ACC tournament and the big dance. So um, especially the big dance. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, UNCG could potentially pull it off, but I mean, it's pretty, pretty slim their chances. So I'm going to have to roll with the Seminoles. Yeah. And uh, I've actually seen this UNCG uh, team play a couple of times in person and uh, through the TV. And one player, I think that's not getting the national uh, recognition that they deserve. Uh, like the Jason Prestons and uh, the Ja'Cory McLaughlin's and stuff, is uh, I- Isaiah Miller. Uh, one of the most athletic guards I've ever seen. He's, he's about 6'4". Uh, one of the biggest guards I- I've ever seen can ISO, um, can windmill on, on two, uh, step back game. He-, he-, he has everything. And uh, Isaiah Miller just re- really has the it factor. And uh, if-, if-, if Isaiah Miller st- get, uh, gets going in this game, I can definitely see them winning this game but I mean Florida State's just too deep and talented to win I mean they're they're shooting 39 percent from three on the year and uh yeah I'm going Florida State you mentioned the 39 percent from Florida State could either of you two guess what UNCG is shooting from three uh I would say like 30 30 percent which is pitiful yeah um you know that's pretty bad the guy the guy you just mentioned was shooting 21 percent from three so, I mean, this team is going to, you know, have to find a way to score in the paint. Um, and ultimately, I mean, this Florida State team is one of the bigger and more athletic teams in the country, and they're going to be tough to, you know, score against. So I think that uh, Florida State's kind of a bad matchup for UNCG, despite the fact that Florida State's turning the ball over 14 times a game, which is concerning for me going forward past this round. But I think FSU's the pick here. Yeah, that's fair for sure. I mean, um, going back to the Isaiah Miller statement, I mean, Isaiah Miller is only listed at six foot, uh, but just the way he plays makes him see like seem like he's six four. I mean, I, I, I wasn't in the, in the best seats when I watched him, but um, you know, just looking at him, uh, all all the plays that he takes, uh, like going at six tens to the rim, um, but also looking at some of some of some of his other stats, he's putting up twenty seven and four, and he's shooting 47 percent from the field. I mean, twenty one percent from three, but he honestly doesn't take many. Uh, I, I feel like his game is more uh, to the rim, pull-ups, and floaters. So, I mean, yeah, just a super talented guy. And uh, like I said, if, if Isaiah Miller gets started, uh, it's really hard to stop him. And uh, moving on, the 11-seed first four game, which, I mean, in years past, many people would have considered why this was a first four game. Michigan State taking on UCLA at 9.57 on Friday. Thursday night, the last matchup of the first four saga. Um, what should we see in this one? And can either of these teams knock off BYU in the first round? 
You know, uh, looking at the Spartans and the Bruins, first of all, before I jump to the conclusion of uh, the BYU uh, matchup, uh, I mean, these are two really tough teams that have really endured a lot throughout the year. I mean, Michigan State was not projected to make the tournament, and they started off, like, super high in the preseason polls and ended up falling down. But these, these key wins against Ohio State, uh, Michigan, and Illinois really helped them make the case that they can that they deserve a spot in the tournament. And then you have um, guys on the Bruins, like they have some really tough guards, like Ty- Tiger Campbell, who was an all, an all Pac-12 selection, um, and also guys like Jamie J- J- yeah, Jamie J- Jayzquez, who's a really hard-playing wing type forward guy. Um, the Bruins have a lot of really tough forwards, but I feel like it, for the key for the Spartans in this, like the playing game is just really comes down to the guards, the guard spot, like R- Rocket Watts, Joshua Langford, Henry, and also – uh, their big guy and Joey Hauser. It comes down to that. Um, and then, I mean, so I would have MSU winning uh, against that game. Um, but, I would, yeah, I would say MSU has probably the best chance to beat BYU in, in this game or to beat BYU. Yeah, and now uh, this BYU team is uh, pretty good, um, but I'm not sure if they're exactly six-seed worthy. I mean, I, I, I understand that they played uh, Gonzaga, uh, one of the closest that they have all year. Uh, but some people forgot that they were sh- that they were shooting seventy percent at half, and uh, just knocking down everything. Couldn't miss. I mean, they have guys like Alex Barcelo, Matt Harms, uh, just guys that can put the ball in the basket. Um, but um, you know, I just don't think they match up well. I don't think they're athletic enough uh, to compete with uh, the blue bloods like Michigan State and uh, UCLA. Which I I don't I don't I don't I don't even think that we should be calling them blue bloods at this point because they're playing in a playing game. But um, you know, just national powerhouses who. Uh, just uh, get get the top talent each year, um, but you know I'm I'm gonna still go with uh, Michigan State, who I'm assuming to win the first four. Uh, but even if Michigan State does lose that game, I still have uh, UCLA uh, beating BYU. Yeah, and you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, stating that I agree with you. I think that both UCLA and Michigan State could beat BYU, and ultimately I'm gonna go Michigan State. Um, you know, in the first four game. Uh, UCLA, ever since the loss of uh, Chris Smith, it's just been kind of a downhill fall for them. Um, you know, obviously Chris Smith was one of the better players in the Pac-12, and he was the guy that kind of united this team and made them what they were to be. And, you know, we saw them match up against Ohio State with Smith, and, you know, he was kind of the guy that kept them in that ball game and made it close. Once he w- went down for the year, um, we saw this team, like I said, sort of fall off. And I think that Michigan State is on the direct opposite trajectory from them, and they're actually heading up, even though that loss to Maryland wasn't the best. But I think Michigan State wins this game, and then I also think that they uh, do beat BYU. Like you said, Andrew, they did play Gonzaga close, but, I mean, 70% um, from the field is pretty anomalistic. So I don't expect to see that at all especially against a better defense that Michigan State has um, rather than Gonzaga. It's not a bad BYU team, but, like, compared to past years of these BYU teams, it's pre- like, they're seeded pretty high to six seed. Uh, usually, like, I mean, they would be, like, a good five seed, but this is um, – they're just seeded too high and not quite as good as their last year's team. Um, I mean, they can give uh, either the UCLA or Michigan State a chance, but – uh, I just like what I saw from Michigan State, like at the end of the year, just their little bursts. I mean, they, they play like a really good basketball team at some points, but I mean, obviously they didn't finish the year off great with the Maryland loss, but they have great potential to just 
uh, bust brackets in this, like, because this is a really open region, to be honest. Yeah, I watched a lot of that BYU-Gonzaga game that we've been talking about, and a guy that I really noticed was Brandon Avernet or Averett, however you pronounce it, um, for BYU. He's their point guard. And one thing that really stuck out about him was the fact that, I mean, this guy is kind of a turnover machine when he uh, gets going downhill a little bit too fast. And he's averaging, um, you know, just under three turnovers a game, which clearly is a pretty significant number considering that he's only assisting on about four um, times a game. So, I mean, he's going to be the difference for this BYU team, whether or not they can get things going. And as of right now, his, um, you know, playing level is not where it needs to be. The three versus 14, Texas taking on Abilene Christian, an in-state matchup that I think could maybe keep us on upset watch um, while it's being played. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I think every 14 point, uh, 14 first three has upset potential. I mean, uh, I think this one is the the least upset potential. Um, but, you know, looking at games like uh, Eastern Washington, Kansas, and after hearing that uh, David David uh, McCormack didn't make the trip, Jalen Wilson didn't make the trip, uh, that's definitely scary for them. I mean, you, you have a team like Colgate who puts up about 85 a game, something crazy like that. And you also have a team like Moorhead State who lost, lots of teams are uh, – who lots of people are picking to beat West Virginia too, which kind of shocks me. Uh, but, you know uh, – Every year, I I, I kind of feel like uh there there there's always like a a five, uh I mean a, a four three or two that goes down in the first round when they shouldn't. Um, so I mean I I think that Texas still uh, runs away with this game by ten plus, but I mean this Abilene uh, Christian team is still uh very talented. I mean they're twenty three and four for a reason, and uh they did not come here to be a fourteen seed. I mean, uh I I don't think a twenty three and four teams should be a 14 seed, but uh, when, when, when you have a tournament this loaded, uh, it's kind of hard to be uh, anywhere else. Yeah, for sure. And you said it there. I mean, also, I was just really thinking about, like, Texas specifically. I mean, they have some really good guard play in, like, Andrew Jones and Matt Coleman. Um, they also get pretty good production from freshman Greg Brown, who was a, a big-time recruit coming into the Longhorns and Shaka Smart. And Shaka Smart, I was reading something. He has yet to win an NCAA tournament game, so – like the, the rumors of Texas losing this game, I mean, this it's very possible. I mean, any, like you said, any 14-3 game in this ma- this March Madness has a great potential to be an upset. Um, so it really just, just really just uh, depends on how ready this Longhorn team is. I mean, they were at an all-time high this year and they won their first Big 12 conference championship um, or conference tournament championship, um, like in their program history. So, I mean, they're on an all-time high, but it really just depends, like, how ready this the Shaka Smart, or how ready he has his team. Yeah, and you know, despite the Texas Big Twelve Championship win, I I mean, I think Shaka Smart is still on the hot seat because you know, a coach can win as many regular season tournaments as he wants to, but if he's not getting it done in the big dance, then what difference does it make? And you know, I've sort of seen the Shaka Smart to IU rumors floated around. Um, you know, maybe because he'd want to get out of there before they can him, um, which is kind of what happened with the Tom Crean thing. Um, Abilene Christian is phenomenal on defense. They have a, a sixty-seven. Sorry, they have a seventy-six defense defensive efficiency rating, which is about fourteen 
points more than Texas does. But that being said, Texas is one of the most athletic teams in the country, if not the most athletic. Um, so it's obviously a, a very different matchup for this Abilene Christian team that they haven't seen all year. So, I mean, I think Abilene Christian can maybe give Texas fits, but this athleticism and raw talent that Texas has, um, you know, is going to let them win this game. And uh, some, some of the results of this, uh, I mean, two of Abilene Christian's losses were the top 10 programs in uh, Texas Tech and uh, Arkansas. And they, they only lost to at Tech. They were playing at Texas Tech, only lost by seven and played at Arkansas and only lost by 13. So, I mean, um, just showing that they've been able to compete with some of these top teams already. I mean, uh, Arkansas is also a three seed, correct? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they've already showed their uh, ability to, to compete. I mean, they gave up 85 points, which is not like them at all. I mean, uh, Arkansas just shot the ball really well, and that's hard to stop. Um, but, you know, once it comes March, uh, anything can happen. And uh, I, I definitely would not rule out um, picking uh, Abilene Christian over Texas in this matchup, but I'm still going Texas. I mean, it's crazy. You think about Abilene Christian. I mean, this is the type of team, or this was a team who was a, I mean, a pretty below average D2 program. And all of a sudden now they're one of the top mid majors in the nation. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible their story. And I know it's obviously it's not over. I mean, this is a very tough mid major team, like you said, uh, got or brought it down to the wire against the Red Raiders and only lost by seven, which was a, a very good game. Uh, I mean, I mean, Abilene Christian has a potential. And it's I mean, there's so many potential upsets. I mean, this is why it's called March Madness. Um, but I feel like the Longhorns, um, just like their guard play, is going to play a major factor. For sure. And one of the better games on this side of the bracket is seven-seeded UConn taking on 10-seeded Maryland. Um, we have split opinions on this one. Uh, no, we don't. Um, what are your guys' opinions on this game? Um, I personally think that UConn with James Bonai is one of the top teams in the country. I uh, just want to come out and say that. And um, the only reason UConn really has seven losses is because James Bonai had those hand problems, had those arm problems, uh, but now he's back to 100%. And uh, I just don't really see uh, anyone stopping uh, them at this point. So I'm going UConn. And I, I can also see UConn uh, making a magical Elite Eight run because, I mean, James Bonai actually uh, really uh, reminds me of uh, Shabazz Napier. I mean, uh, James Bonai is taller, more athletic, uh, longer, um, but just his his mentality and the way he scores just really reminds me of uh, Napier, and I can definitely see them making uh, another crazy run like they did uh, when they were. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was seven. an eight seed, seven, seven seed, just just like they are now, and uh, just an, uh, another seven seed uh, that is bound to make a run. Yeah, and along with Boke Knight, I mean, you have to give him respect because he's the big leader on the team. I was just thinking about like guys like Isaiah Whaley, who's uh, one of the best. Uh, he's he was the Big East Defensive Player of the Year, who's like an, an incredible defender, strap walker. Um, and then I also have guys who was the sixth, the Big East Sixth Man of the Year, Tyra Poli. I mean, they have some dudes. I mean, it's just it's not like they have just Boke Knight, but I obviously know Boke Knight's like just like almost an NBA type caliber player. Um, and UConn, again, like they're sitting at the luck lucky number seven. I mean, this is hard to pick against them, but Maryland's a pretty tough team, but I feel like uh, the Huskies, um, just the, I think I feel like they're a tougher team and they're going to be able to be led by so many guys that they have. Yeah, um, Danny Hurley certainly has his team ready to play. Obviously, he's talked about 
you know, the, the hardcore conditioning and stuff that he puts his players through during practice. Um, so the mental toughness will most definitely be there for UConn. Um, you know, Daryl Morsell for Maryland is the, one of the best defenders in the Big Ten, and obviously he's going to be on James Booknight. Um, while I could see that limiting Booknight's success, one interesting stat that I found is that UConn averages about six more offensive rebounds per game than Maryland does, and they average about six more second-chance points a game than Maryland does. So, I mean, Maryland's not necessarily the biggest team, um, and UConn is, you know, physical on the offensive board. So um, if they can rack up those offensive boards, that, that's going to be extra opportunities that they create for themselves um, that are going to ultimately spur them to win this game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, watching this UConn team against Creighton, they got so many looks on that last possession, and they just couldn't knock it down. But uh, their physicality is just unmatched. And uh, obviously, the Big Ten is known as a, a rougher conference where uh, they let teams play. But, um, you know, this this Maryland team isn't the same as the past years where they had guys like Jalen Smith, uh, Bruno Fernando, just super uh, physical. I mean, I, I know Jalen Smith wasn't as physical, uh, but Bruno Fernando was, was one of the, the most uh, hard-nosed a big man you had, I mean, but uh, this Maryland team is just not the same and they don't have the same score. I mean, uh, their, their leading score is Daryl Morsell, right? Yes. Yeah, so scoring isn't great, but uh, they they will definitely uh, defend and they'll de- definitely be ready for a tournament. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm stuck going with UConn. Last matchup is a interesting one in terms of storyline. Um, Alabama and Nate Oates take on Iona and Rick Pitino. Pitino pulls off the, I wouldn't say miracle run, but surprising feat in the uh, MEAC conference tournament. Um, clearly, Rick Pitino has more experience than Nate Oates, but uh, Nate Oates has the better team. Do you guys think there's any chance Iona could maybe do something special? Yes, I do. I mean, uh, Rick Pitino obviously uh, got fired from Louisville um, or resigned or whatever for the cheating allegations or the, it, it, it was a fact that he was cheating, uh, got the, um, the 2014 title, um, away, but, um, you know, this, this, uh, Rick, Rick, you know, also always has his teams ready uh, for the tournament. And I, I just don't see, seeing uh, being any other way with Iona. I mean, I'm sure everyone saw in the off season when, uh, I, Iona got all these players, all these transfers, uh, all these high school guys. I mean, they, they just completely, uh, re- rebuild their roster. And I'm sure that uh, Rick Bettina really saw something in some of these players and just so th- their grit and stuff. And uh, I've actually seen a, a lot of people pick uh, I- Iona over Alabama. So I would not be shocked, but uh, I'm still going with Alabama. And, you know, no one really picks a 15 over two. Um, but, you know, I can, st- I would not be shocked at all if this happens. Yeah. And as I'm wearing a Louisville jersey, it's kind of ironic. I mean, Rick Pitino, I mean, he's been known since he's with the Cardinals and all the other teams he's led to an NCAA tournament. I mean, he just leads teams no matter what, no matter really how good the team is. I mean, you look at Iona, they weren't even favored to win their own conference. And what did he do? He ended up winning it and made the NCAA tournament with his fifth different NCAA team. So, I mean, you have to give some respect to Iona, but let's be honest, they're no match for Alabama. I mean, they have guys like Jordan Shacklefield, uh, Herb Jones. I mean, they're just so athletic and long. I mean, this is a favorite to win the to make the Final Four. Um, I would say just because of the Michigan kind of lo- without livers at this point. Um, but 
I mean, this is a tough Iowa team, but I mean, how athletic Alabama is and how good they looked, I mean, it's kind of hard to pick against them. Yeah, exactly. And we've seen it from Bama this whole year where if they can get going, then this is the most difficult team to stop in the country. Just because, you know, the offensive system they run is built for, you know, consistently shooting threes um, despite them, even if they're not going in. So, I mean, Iona's going to have their hands full. And while Rick Pitino is one of the best coaches in the history of the sport, um, you know, the formula that Nate Oates has for success um, is one that, you know, I see personally working in this game and um, should look forward to this. Um, we don't need to do much more on that game, but before we wrap this pod up, because we're going to be doing a part two for the other two regions, um, why don't you guys give me your two elite eight matchups for the West and the East? And after that, um, why don't you tell me your region MVP and winner? All right, so I'll go ahead and start. Uh, I'll start with uh, Gonzaga's region and the elite eight. I have uh, Gonzaga versus Oregon. I have Gonzaga win that game. And for MVP, uh, I'm going to go with Drew Tim. I mean, Oregon uh, doesn't really have a certified big. I mean, they have uh, Eugene uh, Omaroyi, Omar uh, Chris Duarte, t- just tons of guys over there. But I think just Drew, Drew Tim just dominates in, in this matchup. And then for the East, uh, I have LSU versus Texas. And I have Texas win this game. And uh, MVP, I'm going to go Jer- Jericho Sims. Um, you know, just a really athletic guy. And I just don't see that. I just don't see uh, LSU stopping him. And also, I was super temp- tempted to have uh, UConn beat Texas, uh, but I just couldn't do that. That'd be way too many upsets. But um, yeah, Texas. Yeah, and mine in the West. Uh, I had some a lot of upsets. Uh, actually, two big upsets in the first round. But I had Zag and Iowa, the one and the two, make the Elite Eight, and I had Zaga winning over them. And I think the MVP of this region, I would say Corey Kispert or Drew Timmy. Um, but I feel like because they're going to run into some some like minor or decent problems with Garza, who's one of the best bigs in the country. So I'm going to say Jalen Suggs is the MVP. And then on the other side, uh, I felt pretty confident, and I went with Bam over UM or over Michigan. Um, I don't know. I had my gut sometimes was saying LSU was going to beat Michigan, but uh, I I don't know. I just had so much confidence with Michigan. Um, but I feel like in the MVP for this region, it can also be like Shacklefield. And that's probably who I'll do, Jordan Shacklefield. Um, I feel like just the guard play, and if they can get like their athletic wings going, it really starts with the point guard. So I'm gonna just go with him. Um, West, I'm gonna go Gonzaga versus Oregon. I think Oregon is most definitely built to knock off teams like Iowa and Kansas, but obviously Gonzaga is a much taller task than that. So I'm gonna go Gonzaga to win it. Heading to the Final Four for. Um, for the second time in the last four tournaments. With that, I'm going to go MVP Corey Kispert. I think Kispert has some favorable matchups um, in terms of dudes who are going to be guarding him um, in his potential games leading up to the Final Four. So I think Kispert is in a good spot to get into his rhythm with his shot and everything that we've seen to be able to do this year. Um, for the East, I'm going to go Michigan versus Texas. I'm going to go Texas to the final four with Matt Coleman winning the MVP because Coleman has kind of emerged as Texas's leader. Um, Obviously he played extremely well in the big 12 tournament. And I think that Coleman is fit to lead this team to the final four. Well, 
I really enjoyed this pod. Obviously, we talked about it and hyped it up for a extended period of time. Um, we hope to have part two out fairly soon. You know, uh, we we're all pretty pretty busy people, but we want to stay updated with you guys. So make sure to to listen once that comes out. Any last thoughts heading into um, day one of the tournament? Uh, yeah. Um, right right before we get to the Midwest and South, I, I would like to say that um, um, Michigan is a second round exit. Bold. Stop the cap. Come on. Nah, I'm just, I'm just playing. LSU, it's going to be a tough one. Or Bonnevert, or the Bonnies. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Peace.